Welcome back, Hawklings, to another episode of Electric Talk, brought to you by Electric Hawk. My name is Tony. And my name is Sean. And we are joined today by a powerful and engulfing, enigmatic bass music artist by the name of Essex. Hey, guys. Woo. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> So, Has anybody called you Eseeks, by the way? Um, yeah, actually, my my uh, late great friend Pipus used to call me Esex all the time, and really <laughs> Esex. <laughs> Love our good um, Esex. Yeah. Well, it's nice to clear that up. Uh, I figured it was Essex. I think Essex yeah. sounds kind of cool. Um, I don't really know why. Like, how? I mean, your name is what? What is your full name? Sam Eckstein. Yeah, it was kind of, it was kind of just like, I got the na- idea of like using just my normal name from uh, No Sodge Thing. I was a big fan of, and his name is Jason, and I uh, just just Jason backwards. And I was like, that's cool. And my name's Sam Eckstein, so I was like S X, and and I'm also from Essex County, New Jersey. So that kind of was just like double, double up, uh, you know, reasons to just go with that idea. Yeah, that's super cool. I think it's a really cool name. It's like one of my more favorite names in the scene. Um, there, there's some bad ones. There's some really, really bad ones. We're not going to sugarcoat it. Some of y'all's names are shit. Um, but Essex, yours is pretty good. Um, so Appreciate it. You're welcome. Uh, we're going to dive into the Uncertain Future, the EP, um, you know, the album art, cover art um the inspirations behind that the process of making it all um releasing it on a are you self-releasing or are you releasing on a label um this is this one i'm self-releasing it's actually my my first self-release in a couple of years but you know i sitting on a lot of music i just didn't really want to wait for like the next opening on the labels (laughs) like i think i do have like a an opening for like a label release coming up but it was just so long of a wait that i was like i'd rather just get this stuff out there move on with my life <laughs> yeah you know, get makes this, sense i've been sitting on some stuff for like so long that i kind of just want to get it out before i'm too sick of it to ever play it out again yeah and that that's understandable and you know when I'm when I like edit videos or photos or whatever, it's like, how am I supposed to like not send this to my group chat of friends at like 4 a.m.? Like, let alone like if you're making music that like, you know, provides for your life in a way. Uh, you know, you you there's like so many different reasons and like motivations behind like wanting to get that out. And also, I'll still send us the group chat once it's done. Yeah, that too. Um, and so you know, there is this rising community of uh, kind of friends and among bass music, kind of like the, this, like free form experimental, like even makes like Wakan look like not as like free form as they were, you know, two or three years ago. And now we got like really weird shit that's getting popular. Um, who is in that group chat? Like, is there, is there any like artists, you know, in that same group or genre? Uh, I mean, the group chat that I'm in right now has been going strong for a few years, and that's just me and 
me and Freddie Todd and DMBU and uh, Up the Trees. That's probably the most consistent group chat, but you know, that's more casual. Uh, we'll send each other tunes on there, but it's mostly just jokes, memes. We love yeah. It. So, um, you know, that's neat that you get to have, you know, these fellow innovators and producers, people in love, like they're your peers, essentially, um, become your friends. Because, you know, like you always hear like, you know, when you're at the top, it's so lonely. So, you know, it's nice if you can like get to the top with the group instead of by yourself. Um, but we're getting real theoretical here. Um, we'll get more back into the earthly aspirations of Essex. Um, Sean, can you take it away with our first question about the EP? Yeah. Um, so I think you or you wrote this, Tony, but um, with the uncertain future EP, um, you know, how I want to talk about the art first. How do you make your own cover art, by the way? Yeah. Um, it's been a, I mean, I, I do uh, pretty much all of them. I think there's like one or two. I think I did a release on Sub Carbon with Mr. Bill, and that was uh, one of the only ones I've done where it wasn't my art. But other than that, it's mostly just been me. And uh, I just do it with watercolors. It's kind of like um, just like my medium of choice. And then I, like this one, I will sometimes, you know, for example, like with this one, I put it on a card digitally, but like, like the original painting is just the painting, but uh, it looks like it's on a tarot card and I didn't actually print it on a tarot card. I just used Photoshop, but uh, for the most part, it's all just purely watercolor paint. So you just free hand draw that? Um, the, uh, usually like for the line work, I'll, uh, I'll draw it on like just a regular piece of paper with like graphite, like a rough drawing. And then I, uh, and then I'll just like rub graphite all over the back of it, kind of like transfer paper and then just trace over that onto watercolor paper. So there's like a faint, a faint line. Cause, uh, I usually try, I mean, depending on what I'm doing, but I usually try not to use outlines too much. So from there, it's like, I'll give myself like a really light line structure of just like where things are going to go. And then I just try and stick to watercolors from there. And then some, some uh, ink for like fine black, for like really dark blacks. Yeah, and then you transfer that over digitally? Um, no, I'll just scan it. I usually oh, work scan. at, yeah, I just use, I work at a pretty, small size usually like nine by 12 inches so it's pretty easy to scan at home and then i just like touch up sometimes just beef up the uh saturation a little bit and call it a day oh okay that's that's interesting and i see that your uncertain future art is like in the shape of a tarot card mm -hmm. i think most of your art kind of looks like that um how did the inspiration or recent fascination with tarot cards come about? Um, honestly, I'm not. Uh, I'm not really into like tarot cards as as like as much as uh, like I don't actually like believe like I'm gonna get my future told by a tarot card. But I like the idea just as like an aesthetic. I like the way that like tarot cards look and like the art looks on them. And uh, I also just kind of felt like for this uh, for this EP, the theme was a lot of like just like 
I think the time I was writing music, I was dealing with a lot of like anxiety and like, you know, uncertainty about where things were going with, you know, not just my career, but like just the world. I was just kind of freaking out uh, over quarantine and stuff. And uh, I don't know, I thought tarot cards were just like a cool way of like expressing what the EP was about, which is just being like, anxious about the future and like tarot cards are like the reason people get their tarot cards you know they try and get their future read because they think they have some control over their future which like you know no one really does but it's just you know thematic to that to that uh idea of trying to control your future or trying to you know get your head around what's coming you know yeah what's coming in the future that's so cool i mean uh, it does resemble the uncertain future with tarot cards, but you know, there's a lot of, there's definitely a lot of mediums you can go for. Like you could ask a question to a magic eight ball and be like, Oh, well, well I get my first kiss at midnight on new year's Eve and says, go fuck yourself. <laughs> but no, yeah. that that is a very cool idea. How you think that with the tarot card and just like, it all wraps up in one little presence. It's nice. Yeah. I also just like, uh, I've been trying to like have like a new piece of art for each song. And I thought the tarot card, uh, it's like a format where I like finding like formats where I can kind of play with the medium, like being able to make like different cards. was like a fun idea and have each piece be kind of different. Um, it's, it was like a fun format with which to like, experiment with a couple of different themes and styles and just have them all fall under the tarot card category so they kind of work together in that way yeah and talking about different art i mean you have um on at least uh, when i scrolled through spotify and i went through you know social media you discussed how in your uh your album you have different artwork for each song from in the villain's journey and i looked through it it's just like it's this cool dynamic of it looks like it's tv show like you can look at it and say hey this looks like adventure time um do you draw any comparisons to from that to your art um i would say that like uh when i was in college um kind of coming out of school for illustration and i was kind of like looking for what I enjoy drawing. I think I was like trying to figure out my style and I was kind of just like asking myself like what I enjoy looking at. And definitely like one of my inspirations was uh, Pendleton Ward and like not just Adventure Time. At the time that I was like coming into the style, Adventure Time wasn't even really like a show on TV yet uh, on Cartoon Network. It was still like a, it was like a 10 minute clip on YouTube. I think it's still on there. You can look it up like the original Adventure Time pilot. It's not really a pilot, but like before Adventure Time was a show, it was like this uh, kind of like, it was just like a 10 minute clip that Pendleton Ward made. And it would kind of, it was like viral in its own way. They'd like, like play it randomly, like at night during Adult Swim. Like there'd be like yeah, a yeah. random break after Robot Chicken where it would just randomly play. Right. Like I, I didn't even really have, uh, I didn't even have like TV at the time because I was, in college I just like you know 
back then also like this was before like i'm like i'm like aging myself right now but uh yeah at the time it was like hulu wasn't like a streaming service where they had everything on it and stuff and like netflix was still like their streaming on netflix at this time is like it was like they had like some janky movies and shit but like the streaming platform hadn't really taken off so it was i was still like getting dvds mailed to my dorm from netflix and shit but like yeah it it was that was definitely like that early cartoon was like definitely an inspiration some of Pendleton Ward's other stuff but like artists like Jeremy Fish and Jeff Soto the villain's journey was actually um I mean there's like a whole adventure time like the show's inspired like definitely an inspiration to a certain extent but like all the artists who work on the show like this artist Ghost Shrimp does like all of the environments for that show and uh you know Pendleton Ward obviously the creator's an inspiration but like I think all those guys who made that show also have a lot of other stuff that I was heavily inspired by. And uh, the villain's journey in particular is heavily inspired by this comic uh, headlopper by this artist, Andrew McLean, who I'm like super, super inspired by. Interesting. But it's uh, definitely like it has kind of a, I think like Adventure Time just, it's not like that show in particular really like was like a huge inspiration as much as just like, I think it spearheaded a style of illustration that's present in a lot of different animation. That's like, I think kind of just like the flagship of that style of animation, but definitely like, yeah, it's up there with, with the inspirations for sure. Well, hell yeah. Um, I love hearing people talk about things that they're passionate about. It's very clear that you're passionate about illustration and animation and um i feel like i feel like i don't run into people that are into like as passionate about it as you are so it's always nice to like you say these things and like i feel like i know jeff soto and i look up jeff soto and i'm like yeah i feel like i've seen some of this stuff before but like it's just it's great to hear when someone can just like name off like names, you know, something that you like don't know about. Um, so thank you for that. That was great. I'm looking at some yeah. of this now. Um, the Headlopper comics or illustrations, they give me like huge Gundam vibes. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think if you look up like Headlopper volume three, that's like pretty much, I kind of uh, like took the format of like white background like red kind of like uh imagery I, I it's like it's similar to like the style of like old movie posters where like it has like everything from the movie in like one image like everyone's every character's face plus like uh you know some kind of landscape like environment yeah plus, like, like marvel scene yeah or like i mean old star wars posters are like yeah. a good example of that like, where it has like yeah they everything look, they have like kind image. of the same deal yeah, I really loved that idea of like posters that have like everything from like a story in one image. Just like it, I don't know. I just like the way that looked. And then I saw that headlock recover, and I was like, "Oh, that's like a cool idea." And then I kind of just got really uh, just focused on kind of like <laughs> trying to make my own kind of like story based around this image like the cover i came up with for villain's journey i like made that kind of like movie poster idea with like everything from 
a story in one image and I just made that image. And then I was kind of like, let me like extrapolate what the story is from this image I just kind of made randomly. And then I like kind of built a story based off the illustration and just like try to make more illustrations based off of that story. Yeah, which is always a task. Yeah, that was a lot of work. I don't know if I don't know if it paid off or not because <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how many people actually even see the other art shit. But I don't know. You know, it's fun for the project. It's fun for my own peace of mind. Yeah. Um. So we just ran through a bunch of visual aspects of not just the uncertain future, but villain's journey, and uh, even some past work. I think you mentioned. Um. I want to kind of talk about the percussion and like instrumental inspirations behind the EP. Um, so is it true that there's like a red hot chili peppers uh, influence? Uh, I wouldn't say red hot chili peppers really, but their guitarist, John Frusciante, uh, when I was like growing up, uh, at least in like high school and stuff, he had like a bunch of very, uh, I went through a phase where like his solo music was like hugely inspirational to me. Um, just in that it was like very like some of it he made when he was like completely like he like quit the band and like I mean most of it he made when he quit the Red Hot Chili Peppers, but like some of it was made like he had some songs that were included in that movie Brown Bunny, and like he had an album that sounds like honestly like complete shit but it's super raw and honest and it was like during a time when he was like all fucked up on heroin and like he like lost all of his teeth and had them replaced with dentures because he was like didn't leave his apartment for months and was making this like really like jarring music but then he also like went on to create some of the most beautiful music he basically just made like 12 albums and like in this time that he had quit the chili peppers and was going through all this shit he like made like these 12 solo albums that were like very like just like i don't even know they cover such a wide array of like musical influences like one of them he has like a footwork album he has like albums that have like members from wu-tang like rapping on them and stuff and then on the other side he has like some of the softest like nicest acoustic music i've ever heard and like he was a super big influence on me for sure john frusciante him and omar rodriguez lopez of the mars volta also did a lot of that like solo like outside of his work with the band he would just have like every six months a new solo album of like the most weird experimental music ever and like that was I think what really inspired me to like start creating music just in my own space and like just try and like I don't know make as many like just free form like just it opened my mind up to like just trying to write really weird stuff that was true to me like true to like how I feel and stuff and like not really put a box on it or like a genre yeah well cool um I saw that in a past interview but I wanted to get more clarification on it because I saw the the guitarist influence so I wanted to hear I was like, went like listened through the the songs out from the EP so far, and I was like, I don't hear a damn guitar. What's going on? <laughs> and so I wanted to know yeah. what like I fell the off on my guitar was, playing, but... dude. Yeah, I just I fell off on the guitar playing. I used to be really good. 
I like one of my biggest songs, Pigeon Toes, is all me on guitar. And that was like probably one of the last songs I actually played guitar in. And so why is that? Just because you stopped playing? You don't think like after a couple of weeks you could pick it back up? Um, no, I still played. I still like I brought the guitar out. I think like right before COVID, my last show in New York was at Webster Hall with Charles and I played Pigeon Toes on the guitar. And that was probably the last time I like performed on guitar. But it's just I think people guitars become kind of like uncool now it's like playing the accordion like people don't want to see that shit anymore. oh really huh i, I feel like i i, I think like a different consensus but we could have I different like audiences. People, some, i think some people make. don't get me wrong some people make it cool tie dye kai tells it with a guitar it's just i think this also the style of guitar that i was doing like just which is mainly just like soloing and stuff is kind of like out of vogue right now i guess so i'm just uh you know, it's also just to a certain extent traveling with a guitar is a nightmare. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So it's easier to bring a USB than a guitar. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, well, so I feel like we've gotten uh, a great in it's a lot of insight into the uncertain future. Um, and so you kind of touched on it earlier. Um, you know, you made this song or you made the EP during primarily during COVID and, you know, obviously a lot of us were experiencing an uncertain future. Um, is there anything, and, you know, also you said that like you were working through anxieties and stuff like that. And so like how, like, what is the process of you like feeling anxious during COVID and saying like, all right, I'm going to write the uncertain future. Like how, how, what goes through your mind and like, do you have any habits or like, safeguards that you've played like put in place where it's like if i feel this way i just sit down like just open ableton or whatever you know it's it's, it's more complicated than that but give you i idea. mean i uh i don't know man i i guess like i there was no point where i was like i'm gonna sit down and write this you know thing that's about this thing i really like i just wake up every morning and work on music and then when it's time to write an album you know, I grab all the things, all the pieces, and then I'm like, oh, you know, like what ties these together? I think of all the things I was thinking when I, you know, you remember what you were thinking when you wrote something or what you're going through. And I don't know, I just chose the ones that like felt like they fit together. I chose the ones that, you know, all I was in the same headspace when I wrote all those tunes. So I could, they kind of like fit together and vibe wise and then yeah i think the art the concept and the art all comes together from that like i'll just listen to them and think about what they make me feel and then think what that you know sometimes it's like even like i think with this one i saw the card i saw well i saw like the original piece that i made with that guy with like the red armor like the first cover and i was like this looks like a tarot card and then like the connection started to come in my brain where I was like, well, this is also what I was going through. Tarot cards, you know, are about telling the future. I was uncertain about my future. And just, you know, from there, it's kind of like, it's, I think the, the idea that ties it together doesn't, isn't always the thing that sparks the creativity, you know? Yeah, that's understandable. And, you know, it's, I feel like everybody went through a different, like different experiences throughout the pandemic and not everybody's had a negative or positive experience 
you know, this is from March 2020 through now, because we're still technically in the pandemic. However, everything's kind of opening up. Yeah. Um, speaking of, though, you're out right now in New York. You're doing an event out uh, in New York City. Um, can you tell us a little about it? Uh, I'm not, I'm not sure how much I can talk about it yet, just because, uh, it's still like in the process of being planned, but, uh, yeah, I'm planning on trying to do, uh, an art show, like, a am trying to do a show for the EP release and like have be a, you know, a real set. It's been like t- maybe two years since I've played here, but I also am trying to like have it be an art show too, and hopefully just make it something special it's not just a show uh just for the new york crowd i i love my hometown and uh you know i'm trying to do something special for it i don't want to get too into the details of it to be honest because it's you don't need to yeah it's don't, well, don't it's spoil just, anything it's not even spoiling i just like i don't know how much i want to talk about it before things are locked into place because it's just going to lead to disappointment if it's not I don't, I don't want to give myself something to live up to yet, but I'm working really hard on getting something I can be proud of. Yeah. I understand. Ready to announce. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're from Brooklyn, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay. Do you have born in Braves there? Uh, I was born in Manhattan and then I uh, lived in New Jersey for the first few years of my life. And then I actually grew up, overseas mostly and then came back to new york for college and stayed here for the last like 10 12 years now at this point so you prefer breakfast sandwiches and pizza in new york city over anywhere else (laughs) i mean honestly uh yeah the pizza here is uh probably better than most places but you know i'm not a I think the world's pretty globalized now. You can get pretty pretty good food pretty much anywhere. Or at least in most major cities, I've had good pizza everywhere. I've <laughs> yeah. had good breakfast sandwiches everywhere. Nowhere is special anymore. We've we, we've uh, we've uh, we've brought everything everywhere. So no nowhere really has anything special anymore. That's that's the real facts right there. Yeah, that's the truth. <laughs> globalized yeah, canes everywhere. Um, yeah, exactly. You guys don't have Chick Fil A though, right? You I don't think you guys have no. Chick Fil A. No, we do. Oh, what? Okay, so it's we still, don't have water burger. Just, just fucking water burger, dude. <laughs> yeah, mean. I mean, we have our we have Shake Shack, so whatever. It's, yeah, Shake Shack thing too. Yeah, um, expensive. So, you're essentially from Brooklyn, or from Manhattan or Brooklyn, but then you went overseas and then you spent a majority of your time in japan correct yeah well well yeah i went to i spent a lot of my high school there and so did you experience a lot of music there like were you involved yeah for sure yeah that's kind of like i think uh when i went there i went to like an american school like an expat school and that's where like they had like a battle of the bands and stuff. So I was like, I think a sophomore in high school, I moved there and uh, I was like just learning guitar, but uh, 
the kids that I became friends with, like when I first moved there were like in a band and stuff. So I got really into that. And like, that's kind of how I got into writing music. But then like they, they have like a really, it's weird. Japan's music is so different, but like people really are into like, like there's like guitars, not guitar centers, but like, there's like, you know, boutique music shops all over the place. Everyone's plays guitar a little bit. Like, I live right near this place, Yayogi Park, which is like a big park. You could like kind of similar to Central Park. And uh, you could like walk on every Sunday, you'd like walk and bands would like set up along the park and you could just like walk from band to band for like miles. Like they would just play, they would just set up just far enough away from each other to like be out of earshot. And like you could just walk like a couple hundred feet and just see like 20 bands playing all different kinds of music in the park every day. And that was like a big um yeah that was like a big I wouldn't say it was like an influence because like we would mostly listen to American music but it definitely like it got me really into like uh just playing like just guitar I would like spend every day going to like there's like a music shop down the street from my house so I'd like go there and like check out all the guitars and like be a guitar center guy like playing fucking just playing like some shitty riff on a guitar like just trying out different guitars and playing with the same shitty riff for like an hour annoying everyone in the store but like yeah it was just and then we would also just like go play the drum set there and stuff and that's kind of just like i don't know have you ever Part been kicked there. out of a guitar center for just successfully going in there and just playing with all the instruments no i don't think they're allowed to kick people out unfortunately for them oh wow so it's not like guitar centers over here <laughs> Oh, can um, they kick you out here? I thought they could just. I think you just rip all day. Oh, really? Well, I don't know. I no, they can really... definitely kick you out, or at least at Best Buy. Oh, I got yeah. kicked out of a Best Buy guitar center. <laughs> a be- a Best Buy guitar center. Yeah. Like a KFC pizza. It's like a KFC Pizza Hut. Yeah. <laughs> the Best Buy exactly. Or you get kicked out of a Walmart when you're playing the game at in the video game aisle, but your neck is like broken because you're just looking up the entire time yeah <laughs> but you can't, can't move your neck um also how is the education was the education system in japan better <laughs> than here uh i mean like i said i went to an american school so oh I was, yeah that's true i was running the japanese school system but yeah i mean a lot of the kids at my school um probably became much more sex- successful than me uh as far as like as far as like i don't know what i'm happy doing what i'm doing but like my friend who i was in a band with who also lives close to me in new york now he has his phd in chemistry and he does pretty well for himself i think he just bought himself his apartment in new york so he's definitely doing better than me but uh i don't know i think some of the kids i went to high school with are probably like oh i think it's cool i went to music too so who knows people you know success is a relative idea yeah none of them have been on electric talk so fuck them i mean we love you we're friends with you but you haven't been on the show Um, (laughs) yeah they're probably jealous so jealous um so ran through art ran through school and overseas we ran through brooklyn we ran through an uncertain future ep ran through adventure time uh we ran through the inspirations um so was the band 
in that with those friends was that Technicolor lens lenses or no? No, no, a different Technicolor band. That was uh, that was my band in college, which is more how like Technicolor lenses is more how I got into like the I guess like music festival circuit slash like electronic music world just because like uh there was uh, i mean i was like going to school for art visual art i like was kind of just doing the music thing for fun and uh my buddy ty who was the rapper in the group he was from great barrington massachusetts and uh we were you know we were kind of like jamming in the dorm we were like in the same dorm rooms we would like jam and uh, I was like jamming on the guitar and he invited me to play with him just as like a guitarist on like his set that he got booked for because he was friends with Jules Jensen from Higher Organics who aren't together anymore, but they threw this big festival in, in uh, Great Barrington, Mass called uh, The Big Up that like I'm sure many people your age haven't heard of, but like at the time, it was like one of the first festivals that brought like Tipper and Ott and like, I think Big Gigantic was on it. And at the time it was like the hottest shit. Like uh, all these artists that are now huge, they brought to like the, uh, well, like the uh, Northeast for like the first time. I think that was probably the first time anyone had seen Ott here even Tipper, like Tipper was on like this little side stage and stuff, but like we got to play, I got to play uh, with him just in his like hip hop act. And then it kind of turned into a band from there throughout college. Cause we kept getting brought back to play this festival every year. And it was like huge for us. But then I, that kind of got me into Ableton cause it was like a live hip hop thing. I was trying to get backing tracks for the band to play. We had like a drummer and stuff too. And I was like, I would like, you know, we would all like pitch our backing tracks we made on Ableton and try to get them played. And uh, eventually it just led to me just getting full-time Ableton. And uh, uh, we kind of like went our separate ways after college. But uh, yeah, it was, it was kind of like what broke me into like playing shows and stuff early in college. Hmm. Huh. That's weird. And so what kind of, and so it was like a hip hop group kind of, but like a hip hop band? Yeah, it was like <laughs> Ty, the guy who, started the group and like got us on that first festival he was a rapper and i guess it kind of started as him being like oh it'd be cool to have like you know live guitar on my beats and then it would be cool to have like a drummer so it kind of like became a thing around that and then the more me and the drummer brand and my our friend brandon became like part of the band the more we kind of started moving away from like being like hip-hop backing tracks and more tried to get more experimental with it and stuff which led to some interesting music i mean a little different from what i do now but it kind of just got like i think uh it got me into like learning to produce on ableton and stuff because before that i was pretty much just playing guitar yeah yeah i mean that's a weird transition um i mean I think I really just like at the time guitar was when I was coming up, you know, making beats was like not, not like inaccessible, but like it wasn't like 
as easy. I think it wasn't as accessible as it is now. Like I started out with like Pro Tools and playing guitar on Pro Tools and like it wasn't as easy to like produce electronic music on Pro Tools. And then I think uh, it got to a point where I think like I was, I think I realized that like I liked guitar because it was what I learned as like my mode of self-expression, but like what I really liked was writing music and Ableton opened up a way for me to write music without having to depend on, you know, all these other people, like having to depend on my drummer, my entire, like want to play the song enough for us to play it. Like it was just a way for me to like, just kind of take control over everything myself, which I think is the way a lot of people got into, into producing themselves, you know, working with other people is difficult. So soon we're going to see an Essex rap set from Pro Tools. <laughs> uh, no, not quite. Nah. Uh, yeah. Nah. All right. Um, I want to ask some like, you know, it's like a nice little fun question because it's, you know, your villain's journey. And if you were the villain, like any cartoon villain, who would you be and why? Uh. I don't know, Snidely Whiplash, because that fucking curly mustache of his. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Like uh, the curls of the mustaches? Yeah, I was rocking the mustache curl for a short period of time. Oh, really? Yeah, a little while ago. So so mustache, your, uh, you know, I guess your facial hair of choice, <laughs> per se? Yeah. I mean, as far as, like, actual villains go who would i be probably like oh man i don't know like maybe maybe uh him from power powerpuff girls i was really just thinking (laughs) i don't know just because he's like somehow very scary but also lighthearted. I was literally thinking of um, the green monkey from Powerpuff Girls. Mojo Uh, Mojo Jojo. (laughs) I also said Mojo Jojo. Mojo Jojo's got some freaking chops going on. Yeah. (laughs) I almost said Mojo Jojo because he's a a misunderstood genius. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Kind of like Tony. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm very misunderstood. Some people yeah. call me Anthony. They, some call me Tony. It's really just it's a whole state of confusion. Right. <laughs> Tony, what, um, what character would you be? From Powerpuff Girls or in general? In, in the uh, villain. Uh, uh, I would be Wandissimo or Doug Dimmadome. <laughs> Doug Dimmadome. What about you? Um, I want to be a part of uh, Team Rocket from Pokemon. Oh, that's a good one too. <laughs> Damn it! Yeah. Um, that, yeah, any of those are cool. We love our comic. We love a villain story arc. Let's be honest; they're better than you. Always should be the villain and never the good guy. Unless you're, it's real life, then you should probably just be the good guy. It's it's kind of easier. Yeah, maybe. Um, so, we've covered a lot of things here. 
Mr. Essex. What do people have to look forward to in the next eight months till 2023? Like, what is, what is your goal? Like, if you woke up on January 1st, 2023, what would you, what would you be proud of? I mean, I hope I wake up on that day. Uh, I would hope that I successfully threw a cool art show. I mean, I don't know, man. I'm just doing, I just hopefully have a lot more good art that's better than the last thing I did and more music that's better than the last music I put out. That's the goal, right? Just keep making better art. That's uh, hopefully what, where I'm at by then. Still alive. Still uh, doing what I'm doing. And you, yeah, you definitely inspire with all like this amazing art and it's like, Wow, I would never be able to draw just like a stick figure. And I'm sure you could if you tried. <laughs> if I tried my best, like I practice drawing a stick figure a hundred times a day until the end of the year, there's a possibility I could do that. Hell, I, I would argue you could probably do even better by the by that amount of time. Oh yeah, we'll see. Uh Maybe I should practice. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll get into something new. It's how they say, uh, it's how you make perfect, as they yeah, say. Yeah, pra practice makes perfect. That's right. This gets you to the Apollo, uh, to Carnegie Hall. <laughs> Carnegie Hall, yeah. That's the dream. That's how you get to Carnegie Hall. Thinking about Miss Maisel now. Mm hmm. Uh, I think I know what you're talking about. It's a show on Amazon. The right. season yeah, three finale is her like walking away in Carnegie Hall on stage. Yeah, it's a that's an old expression. You know, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice. It sounds like some whiplash shit from my I mean, Miles Teller movie. <laughs> they might say that in Whiplash. I haven't seen it. Oh, you should see it. You would like it. Yeah, I've heard I've heard good things. And it's like a quick it's like it starts and then it ends. And you're like, all right, well, that was the fastest like 90 minutes of my life. Um I guess it's a sign of good movie, huh? Yeah. Um, so as we start to close things out, we got two final questions for you. I'll ask mm -hmm. you the first one. Sean will ask you the second one. The first one is what is your opinion on pears and what is your favorite fruit? Um, so two, technically two questions, but I, there's only one question mark. Pears are trash. Oh. Uh, I think my favorite fruit is pineapple. Yeah. Fair. It's fair. It's a good one. William Black is pissed right now. <laughs> we Black. should have been ranking fruit. We ranked fruit with William Black and he just loves the shit out of pears because his grandma used to give him like fresh pears when he was a kid and he just still loves pears. Well, and you just shat all over the pear, all over pears. Yeah. Well, we're very we're two very different people apparently. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> um speaking of pineapples in the second question, I mean, pineapples come from islands, right? I don't know. Anyways, speaking of islands again, um, you know, you're stuck on an island and mm -hmm. you're only, you know, you have only to bring three things, but yada, yada, yada. But 
you know, all you have is your Nokia who ha that has access to somehow Apple Music or Spotify, whatever. Um, and you can only pick three albums, three sets, or three, I mean, just three of them, but three songs. Uh, what would they be? Um, that's a hard question. Um, I feel like one would be Delau's in the Comatorium by Mars Volta, just for old time's sake, keep me grounded. Um, I think one, damn, I feel like one would be a Flying Lotus release because there's a lot, you know, I got, I got to think, I, can, I don't know which one. What's like the longest one? So I have like more material to listen to, you know? <laughs> uh, and then like, I feel like the last one would have to be like, damn, I don't know. Fuck. Maybe like a tipper thing, but I don't know. That's like, most of his releases are so short. I, I would just run out of shit to to so fast. Uh, you, I, I would, you know what? I would, I would have like, uh, I would get, um, one of them would be a podcast. So I'd have more, you know, more time covered. Yeah, no, that, that actually makes sense. We are available on Spotify and Apple podcasts <laughs> for downloads. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> i think yeah the third one would be this uh, this episode of this podcast yeah yeah so you never lose sense of self because that can right. happen you know like castaway i know i'd be like uh yeah i would just i would probably just lose myself in this conversation just repeating every word over and over again to myself are you tom hanks or are you wilson um i like to think of myself as a as a grown man and not as a volleyball. So I'll go with Tom Hanks. That's a great answer. And that's our last, that's our last answer of the episode, folks. Um, most important one. He's not a volleyball. He is Essex from Brooklyn, New York. He's a powerful bass music artist. He is also an illustrator of his cover art. And he was our grateful guest on Electric Talk on this fateful day. Is there anything you'd like to leave the people with? Uh, not, not in particular. Uh, thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate, uh, I appreciate the interview. We well, appreciate awesome. you. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. All right. Well. This has been another great episode of Electric Talk brought to you by Electric Hawk. My name is Tony. And I have been Sean. <laughs>